Hey Baker, welcome to Business is Sweet. It's easy to fall in love with the sweet art of baking. It's a bit harder to take the right steps to create a successful business around your baking. But the business side of baking is also pretty sweet. I believe that you can be paid well for your creativity, build a successful baking business from home, and enjoy the work you get to do. And in fact, I don't just believe it, I know it because I've done it. I'm your host, Brett, a self-taught home-based baker myself who's built a thriving business making a full-time income as a wedding cake designer, all from home while raising my two little kiddos. And I'm here to show you how to do it too. Welcome to the show. I hope the title of this episode caught your attention because when it comes to starting a baking business and you've started taking orders for your baked goods, nothing will put knots in your stomach like worrying about the legalities of being a home baker. Am I allowed to sell things from home? Do I need a license? What if someone turns me in? And oh boy, do I know that feeling all too well. Being shut down for violating the law was the last thing I wanted when I started up my business, but I could not for the life of me figure it out. It took me two years to get all the right pieces in place and to get all my ducks in a row. And now I'm like, nobody who wants to legally start a business should have to be that confused on how to do it. So today we're going to dive deep into the legalities of running a home baking business, what's required, what licensing, registration, how to cover all of those legal bases. But first, before we dive in, I want to make sure you know about my new YouTube channel that I just started this month that is all about helping you get a little more of a visual, hands-on approach to baking techniques, cake decorating techniques, and also sharing business tips and behind the scenes there. I would love to invite you to take a look at it, to subscribe and check out all that amazing content because there's just gonna be more coming to help you on your journey as a baker, One of the things that I believe in as a business coach and as a fellow baker is transparency. And the more I can show you of what I'm doing and what has worked and what hasn't worked and giving you all just the advice and the the transparency in, in how I run my business, that is my hope that by sharing that, it will help you to grow your own business and help you to avoid some of the mistakes that I made in the beginning. So go check that out on YouTube. I'll link to it in the show notes. It's the Out of Home Baker on YouTube. Just started it, just like this podcast. We're getting that off the ground. So excited to have that going on. Now let's dive in to today's topic. I want to start off by saying I come at this from two perspectives. Number one, I'm looking at this topic of business legalities as your business coach. Someone who wants to help you protect yourself and help you cover all of your legal bases And then number two, I'm coming to you as a fellow baker who lived through the gray area of trying to figure it out and kind of just starting and figuring out as I went along. And it wasn't an easy process. And so I understand both sides of the coin. And I know the stress that comes from wanting to make sure those bases are covered. But I also come from this mentality of push through 
and do what you can and just check the boxes as you can go. And I leave it up to you. I'm going to give you everything that I can today about how to legally cover your bases, how to get your business, you know, legally squared away. And then it's up to you to decide, am I going to check all those boxes as fast as I can? Am I going to chip away at them slowly? But number one thing that I don't want you to feel is overwhelmed. I don't want you to feel scared or intimidated by this stuff because when it boils down to it, it's not too hard and it's not too scary. And as creative people, I believe that we always find a way, even when something seems to stump you, if there's a certain law or a certain regulation that seems to get in your way, I believe that there's a way to find a, a method or a, a different channel to make it work. And so I want you to feel that optimism. I want you to feel excited and I don't want this to bog you down at all. I want you to feel inspired by this. I want to start from the perspective of a baker who's also gone through this myself and share the story with you of how I figured out my own licensing and registration for my business. So back when I started, it was in around 2015-2016 when I was taking just very, very minimal cakes But I had finally hit that spark of, oh my gosh, this is what I want to do. I want to run a cake business. I want to grow this. And I was ready to really push it like full swing. So I'm in that zone. I'm starting to like build a website. I'm starting to get advertising and really putting myself out there. And I'd already done, obviously, a couple orders. I'd done some cookie sales, some big cookie sales for Valentine's Day where I had lots and lots of orders, hundreds and hundreds of cookies cranked through my kitchen, which was this small, tiny, little apartment kitchen from the 50s. From We were living as students there. We were college students, and that was student housing. You can imagine it was not a beauty to behold. And I had zero dishwasher. I had about one foot by one foot counter space and just one little fridge. And I was, you know, doing the best with what I had. Never, ever even occurred to me that maybe there was some kind of laws around being able to do that. And maybe there was some kind of license I needed. Just didn't even occur to me. And there I was cranking out all the cookies, all the cakes that I could get under my belt at that time. So zero idea. And I'm just kind of chugging along. And at that time, I was working at the college campus bakery. And I was also doing my degree in food science, which, like I've said before, is nothing to do with pastry school. Don't think I learned how to decorate cakes at the bakery or during my food science degree. The bakery was very much, you know, I mixed lots of batter. I carried heavy bags of flour and did some cleaning, did some dishes, cranked out lots and lots of cookies, but nothing too technical. And then food science was very much heavy science related and also a lot of like legal food process related. I took classes on food law and different things like that. So I ran in circles with people who were familiar with the food industry and who had a love and a passion for food as well. And a lot of them were interested in starting their own businesses as well around food. And it came to a time where I was I was going to a wedding of some of these friends who I loved dearly and I truly admire and, and enjoyed the connection with. But as we got talking, one of them asked if we had bought a new house. And I was puzzled and I said, well, no, why are you asking? And she said, well, you've just been posting a lot about these cakes and these orders that you've been doing. And, you know, there's lots of legal things around that. You need a special kind of kitchen and you need this kind of licensing. And so I just assumed that you must have bought a new house if you're doing that. 
And I was just a little bit taken aback and a little bit stunned because it never even crossed my mind. And I can tell that these friends that I had were frustrated because it's something that they wanted to be doing, but the legals were stumping them. And so it was hard for them to watch somebody else just doing it without knowing that there was something needed. And the passive aggressiveness of that conversation really tripped me up. And it was hard for me to keep going. In fact, it just, it, it was in my brain. It was in my thoughts. It kind of had me spiraling down questioning what I was doing and feeling really afraid to the point where I turned it off. I shut down my website and I stopped putting it out there as much because I was afraid that somebody was going to turn me in, whether it was one of my food science colleagues who knew about food law and maybe knew something I didn't and and was going to turn me in for that, or, or these baking friends who, you know, wanted to be doing it as well and it was hard for them to see somebody else doing it without regard for the law. I was worried that someone was going to report me and I was going to get shut down and that was going to be the end of the world. <laughs> so I'm shutting things down and I spend the next like two years trying to figure it out and I'm touch and go and I, I have my baby and so I'm, it's like I'm not totally pushing it anyways, but I'm taking that time to start to figure things out. And what I started doing was I started going to farmer's markets and asking the people there, what are you doing to be in business? Because a lot of them were working from home. I thought, you know, not all of these people are coming from restaurants. A lot of these are home bakers. And I would go to booths and I would ask them like, hey, I just want to know, like, what, what are you doing? And some of them rented commercial kitchens and rented different space here and there. But I came across this vegan business that was run by a husband and wife. And they were so friendly. And they gave me the biggest gem, the biggest clue to home baking that I needed. And he told me about cottage food licensing. Now, I'd never heard that term before. It had never come up in my searches. I didn't know what it was. And he said, yeah, we work from home. We have a cottage food license. There's a couple of requirements. But if you go through these hoops, then you can legally sell from home. And I was like, you're kidding me. Really? That, that's a thing? I have no idea. And so I started to learn more about it. I started to look into it and I started to research it. But it was still hard to find information about it, and I still felt a little nervous. I thought, what if I call the department that's over this cottage food licensing, and I ask some questions, and they shut me down? Because now that they know I'm here, and I've already started, what if it puts me on the radar? And so I have to stop everything I'm doing. What if I can't comply? What if they have rules and regulations that I can't follow because of where I live or because of what I make? And these still kind of had me feeling overwhelmed. And as I was researching, it was really hard to sift through all of the legal wording and the paperwork. And it just, it felt like a lot to figure out and a lot of hoops to jump through. Now, looking back, now that I've gone through those hoops and I figured it out, I want to say it was so much more complicated in my head than it ever was in reality. And the single biggest difficulty and roadblock for really getting my business to that level was just my fear. It was me just worrying about things that actually didn't even exist yet. <laughs> worrying about the what ifs and the, oh my gosh, if this happens. And it was my mind making things seem so much harder and menacing than they were. And I'd get just a little bit stuck and I'd assume it meant the end for my business. 
So for a long time, it took me a while to get through that. But finally, finally, I decided to chip away at it one piece of paperwork at a time, you know, one bit at a time. And I got registered as a cottage food producer in the state of Utah. I got my business license with the city and the state. And a few years later, I added some business insurance to round that all out. And I've really come to understand a lot about this process as I've taught it to other bakers and as I've helped other bakers go about it. So I want that story to inspire you because I think it probably sounds a lot like you and what you're going through. Can you relate to that stress and that overwhelm and that not knowing where to start? So just know that someone just like you went through the process, figured it all out. And even looking back now at the different kitchens I've worked in, because we moved, we graduated and we moved to an apartment, then we moved to a duplex, and now we've brought our own home. And so I have a whole new kitchen here. But all of those little small dinky kitchens that I was working in, looking back now, I realize I could have made all of them work with the regulations that our state has. And it was just a matter of being creative and figuring out a way to do it. If I really wanted it, I could have found a way to do it. And I just let my fear and my ugh, my anxiety trip me up. So I want you to know that, that there was a way and I just made it harder than it had to be. Okay, so now I want to come at it from the perspective of a business coach. And let me walk you through everything that's required. Let me walk you through the main basic things that you should be thinking about as a home baker in business. And I hope it can be a good springboard to your research and a good springboard to taking those steps to get your own baking business legally covered. So why are these laws surrounding home baking businesses so vague and so difficult to figure out? Well, number one, it's regulated by each state. Every single state can set their own laws around home baking. So you're kind of left at the mercy of your state and what laws they've set and also how well they've made that information accessible. Different states have different websites and some are great and some are not so great. And I know that because I've actually visited the website for every state's cottage food law. Sometimes it's called cottage food law. Sometimes it's called limited food establishment. It comes under different names, but every single state, depending on how well they've made that information accessible, it can be easier or harder to navigate and figure it out. The second reason why it's so hard and so vague is because individual cities can also set additional restrictions. So your state has their laws and your cities can also go a little more specific than that. And they can choose to be stricter on home baking if they want, which means you've also got to check on your local city laws as well. And the third reason why is because laws change. The rules and restrictions are changing all the time as different people oversee the home baking department, whatever departments over home baking law. As management changes, they might interpret things stricter or less strict and they can change the way things are done. As people vote and representatives change, new laws come into play, old laws go out. And I've seen this. New Jersey, for a long time, was one of the only states that had zero tolerance for home baking. You couldn't do it until last year in October, they opened up cottage food law. And it was like all the home bakers came out of hiding. (laughs) And it was very exciting. So laws can change. So as you start to study this, if you run in again to restrictions or laws that seem really like roadblocks or barriers to your progress as a home baker, 
take hope in that, that things can change, things can update and figure out how to be a voice for that. Figure out how to contribute your voice so that people can do that. Because the world we live in right now, especially after COVID happened, so many people have started their own businesses that things are starting to change and and the way is opening up having regulations in place so that people can actually do this legally. So find hope in that. Now, I want you to take a word of caution as we start to dive into this even further, that you should research all of these factors before you start any application. As we talk about cottage food law and business license, you want to make sure you know a bit about each of those in your state and your city before you just start filling out applications. Because while they're all required, they're kind of separate. You know, cottage food is required, a business license is required, but they're independent of each other. And so it's not like you need one to get the other. And so they don't always cross information. And you'll want to make sure you can check your boxes before you really jump in to just filling out for different licenses and things. All right, so what is required to legally run your home bakery from home? Number one, the first thing you want to look into is cottage food law. And like I said, sometimes it's called different names. Cottage food law, limited food establishment, um, home-based food production. It comes in different names, but cottage food law is one of the typical terms and phrases given to it. So cottage food law is basically laws that are in place specifically for home baking that give you kind of the parameters of how you can operate as a home baker. It's usually run by different departments depending on the state you're in. It can be run by the public health department or the department of food and agriculture. Um, Similar things to that are usually the departments that are over it. Common parts of this law include restrictions on what you can make. There are often restrictions on cream-based or kind of fresh product, egg-based products, things that are considered, the term is non-TCFS foods. It's non, I can't even, let me, let me see if I can say this acronym. It's non-time and temperature control for safety. Those are foods that are allowed to be made. Non-time and temperature control for safety foods, non-TCFS foods. That's a mouthful. And what that means is, a food that is does not need time and temperature control for the safety of it is a food that's kind of considered shelf stable. That if you leave it on the counter for a while, it's not going to be very potentially hazardous. You know, it may melt or it may get warm or cold and it may not be like quality a great product, but it's not going to be bad on a safety level. And what this comes down to is the pH and the water activity of the food. And so every state typically sets their regulation based off of pH and water activity. If it has a pH of 4.6 or lower and a water activity of 0.81 or lower, then it's considered a shelf-stable food and can be produced by home bakers. Now, that sounds a little bit technical, Most departments will know when you approach them and ask about, you know, producing a certain kind of food, they're going to kind of already have a feel for the pH and the water activity. They've already done the test. They've already approved and unapproved or not approved lots of different foods with these parameters. And so they're the ones who are going to guide you through that. 
So the foods that aren't allowed to be produced are foods considered TCFS foods, time temperature control for safety foods, things that do have to be put in the fridge or refrigerator or freezer in order to control the safety of that product, like eggs. So Swiss meringue is often a problem under cottage food law or um, cheesecake. That's one that pretty much across the board, you're not usually allowed to produce as a home-based cottage food registered business. Um, Things like fresh custards, creams, those are really tricky and, and usually don't get approved under cottage food law. Now, if you run into that problem, one of the things that you can do is ask if you're allowed to test your product for pH and water activity. And if it comes underneath 4.6 pH and a water activity of 0.81 or lower, if it comes out at that, can you be allowed to sell it if you test it? And a lot of states actually do allow this. Here in Utah, they allow that. In Pennsylvania, they allow that. As I've done work with other bakers to help them get registered, I've learned that there are states that will let you do that. And they usually have a list of different um, testing labs that you can send it to because it requires a lot of equipment to do that kind of test. It's not something you can just do at home. And I know because when I was studying my degree, food science, we actually did every single test in order to determine and calculate those types of things in food. And it requires a whole lab of equipment. So don't try and do that on your own. But if they allow you for allow you to do testing, and you want to get it tested, ask for a list of local food labs that can do that test. And usually it's not that expensive to get it done. A sample could be anywhere from like $20 to $60. And if it gets approved, then you're good to go. So ask for that. When you call these places and ask about, you know, licensing and registration and stuff like that, if you hit roadblocks, Keep asking questions. Well, what can I do to make it work? Or what have you seen other people do that they're able to get around this or find a workaround? Ask those questions because they've seen it. And a lot of times they're happy to guide you in the right direction. So sometimes you're not able to get the right licensing with cottage food law. Sometimes there are restrictions such as you know, you have to have a whole separate entrance to your kitchen. Sometimes you can't have other people having access to it. It, it really depends on the state how strict it is. And let me tell you what we have here in Utah, just to kind of get your mind rolling and start to kind of grasp this concept. Here in Utah, we actually have two laws. We have the cottage food law, which allows me as a home baker to legally sell. I have a license which means I have submitted all my recipes for approval. That's another thing that can happen in a lot of different states is you submit your recipes for approval. And what they're looking for is just to make sure your processes are safe. They're looking for like how hot things get and the way that they're processed and the ingredients used to spot specific different kinds of like microbiological hazards and things like that. Things that you you really wouldn't catch on your level, but they're kind of trying to catch those. And when you submit those recipes, if you're required to do that, don't be afraid that all of a sudden they're going to leak your top secret recipes to every baker in the state. I promise they don't. They take a look at it, they say yes or no, and then it gets tucked away and maybe even not tucked away like nobody's looking at it and I remember feeling really afraid of that that people were gonna get my recipes and they don't I promise so I had to submit my recipes and I also had to submit like a basic business plan and talk about you know what my kitchen setup was like how I plan to sanitize things like that and I also had to have an inspection and this was really scary 
when I was scheduling it, I was terrified of the inspection. Someone was going to come to my house and tell me whether my dreams were shattered or not. (laughs) It was so, so much to carry. And in the end, the inspection was the easiest part of the process. The paperwork was way, way worse, which is saying something because the paperwork's not too bad when you just chip away at it bit by bit. The inspection was great. Someone came to my house. He was a really nice guy. He just checked the temperature of my fridge, checked my sanitation process, you know, kind of just looked around and and was like, yeah, here you go. Like, here's the number to call and you've got your license. And it was awesome. And what I've learned about these departments is that a lot of the times the people who are working them, they're there to help you and guide you. They're not there to shut you down. They're there to help educate you so that you know what you need to do in order to legally operate. So you don't have to be afraid of them. And when you call, again, you don't have to be afraid that they're going to shut you down. They won't. And I I know because I've called for lots of different bakers in lots of different states. And I just say, hi, I am looking to learn more about what is legally required to run a home baking business. Can you direct me to the person who would have information about that? And sometimes they're the person. And if they're not, they'll pass you on to the next person. And then you get to ask your questions and they really, they don't ask, you know, all right, well, give me your address, give me your name, your phone number, like I need to track you down. They will just answer your questions and and help you move along. So don't be afraid of asking for help. Don't be afraid of calling the right department and the right people in charge to figure out what's in, what is specific to your state. I want to talk about workarounds because sometimes you do run into roadblocks in cottage food law if if that's the only route you're able to take to license your bakery sometimes you run into things like I was saying like you need a separate kitchen or you know the kitchen you have just doesn't work or you have pets and you're not allowed to work out of a kitchen with pets if you're having problems like that some of the things that you can do to overcome that are a think of creative ways to refigure your kitchen in order to comply. And that can sound a little bit crazy, but one of my friends, Betsy, who runs a beautiful home-based bakery called Around the Table, she's on the East Coast. And in her state, it wasn't allowed. You basically really couldn't operate out of home. You had to have a commercial certified kitchen. And so what her and her husband did, they remodeled their garage as a commercial kitchen. And now they've got this beautiful space and she is cranking out cake slices to the local cafes. They sell her stuff. She does beautiful wedding cakes and she's done amazing. And it's been really fun to watch her grow. And she didn't let that restriction stop her. You know, she found a way around it. And I loved talking to her about that and seeing how she was able to grow despite of possible roadblocks. Another thing you can do if your kitchen's not going to work is you can find space to rent. You can find a commissary kitchen. You can find a shared kitchen. There's lots of ways to find cheap places to rent. Just start asking around. It was surprised me how many opportunities there were, even just in my area, to rent kitchen space. Whether that's like in the back of a place that has a kitchen that's not being used or, you know, maybe it's even the local food bank. I know they've got a kitchen for startup businesses that people can rent at a low price. Start asking around, start looking around and find a way to get it off the ground. If it's really something you want to do, keep pushing and find a way. Now, to find the information for each state on how to license your bakery and on how to which departments in charge of this, I've got a little sheet 
of the best source of information that I could find for each state. Like I said earlier, I visited every website for every state and tried to find the best contact information, the best website that I could. So I'll link to that in the show notes as like at least a starting point for your research. Like I said, laws change and people who are in charge changed. So some of that information might have changed, but at least it will give you, you know, a point to start figuring it out. So we'll link to that in the show notes and you can look up those contact information if you need them. That is cottage food law. That's the first thing you want to start looking into when you go to license your home bakery. That's the first part. You want to make sure that that home baking is allowed in your state and that you can comply with those things and start to figure that out first. The next thing you look into is a business license. Now, this is kind of a funny, controversial subject in the baking world. Am I a hobby baker or am I a business? Well, by strict legal definition, if you are engaging in commerce and you're selling goods or services and being paid money for them, by strict legal definition, you are a business. Congratulations. And that's not scary, I promise. Now, that means you're required to register with the state and sometimes at the city level. I will say, if you're not pushing your business hard, if you're just taking like one order every few months and you're not looking to grow it, you don't have goals, it's very, very far and few in between, then maybe don't go through all of the business licensing hoops. Now, that comes from the baker side of me, not the coach side of me. That comes from the baker side who's like, yeah, you know, you kind of just, if you're just not doing it a lot, then then don't make yourself a full-on business. But my hunch is that if you're listening to the pot, this podcast and if you're listening to this specific episode, you're someone who's really pushing to get things done and to get things figured out. So let's talk about business licensing. It happens at the state level and most states you can just go online and do it. They have a portal where it's like a self-done DIY kind of thing. You can make an account and then you go through the paperwork. Some of the wording can get a little legal and a little weird and you really just have to kind of bunker down and read it and take it at face value. And if you have questions, the best thing to do is to consult an attorney or um, a CPA, someone who has experience with that in like a legal department. You can just give them a call and say, hey, I'm trying to register my business. Would you be willing to just help me understand some of these definitions? And I've actually found that people are really kind and willing to share that information. I actually had a great conversation with an attorney this summer who spent almost half an hour to an hour on the phone with me helping me work through some of this business legal stuff for free. Just like as someone who was, you know, knew it and wanted to help somebody else understand it. So try calling if you have questions. Call an attorney. Call someone who knows about that. But really, you can figure a lot of it out on your own. Then you have to decide what type of entity you're going to be. Now, you've heard these words before. Sole proprietorship, um, LLC, And deciding which one you're going to be comes down to the kind of liability that you want to take on and the kind of tax responsibility. Figuring that out, again, takes some legal advice and you'd want to talk to an attorney. I am not any kind of legal professional and so I don't give advice on stuff like that, but I will tell you what I am. I started as a sole proprietorship. As I read through the questions and kind of got a feel for what it all meant, I decided that that was me. 
I am now shifted into an LLC because I've taken on more liability. I take bigger clients um, and I've, I've made more with my business. And so I've kind of grouped all of my businesses into an LLC. And that's what I'm that's what I'm operating at right now. So for you to really decide what works for you, legal advice is great. It's kind of hard to navigate some of that wording and some of the legal jargon that happens and understanding the implications of it all. So it can be good to consult with someone. And again, that was something that that attorney just helped me for for free this summer. We talked on the phone. He helped me understand the differences, the pros and the cons of both. And we were able to decide how to go forward with my business. And I didn't even have to pay him for that advice. He just gave it to me freely. So with business license, at the state level, you'll get that license. You'll pay for like your name, like doing business as, and then there's usually some kind of fee associated with getting that license. If you're a sole proprietorship, basically all you pay for is the name reservation. When you're an LLC, there's more of like a yearly fee that happens, and it, this can be different from state to state. The fees are different. Some of the paperwork is a little bit different. And again, that's why it's kind of hard to figure out. It's so vague because it can be different depending on where you are. Um, just know that there will be fees to pay. They're not that much. They can be like $80 to 120 And then you'll want to know when that reoccurs. With my doing business as name for my sole proprietorship, it was about every three years that that needed to be renewed. An LLC is a little more frequent. Um, And again, depending on what state you're in and and how they've set that up. Don't be afraid of this. (laughs) I know it's kind of hard and overwhelming to take in all of this information. But what you do is you take a deep breath and you chip away at it one bit at a time. And if you get stuck, you call someone for help, whether it's someone in the state department or like I said, an attorney, you call and you ask for help and they will help guide you through the process and you'll figure it out. You'll get your business license and it'll be dang awesome. (laughs) And before you fill out any of your business license paperwork, you want to check on the city level as well. I said before in this episode that cities can also have further restrictions on home baking. It can come down to where your neighborhood is zoned. You know, different parts of the city are zoned for different things. When it comes to being a baking business, you're what's considered a non-impact business where you're not building a warehouse. You know, there's not going to be lines of cars coming through your drive through It's not really going to disrupt the neighborhood. If people, you know, pick up now and then, depending on the rules, that might be okay or might not. But for the most part, you're not impacting the neighborhood at all. And this has been the case in both cities that I've lived in. When I went into the city to ask about business licensing, told them what I did, both city departments told me, oh, well, you don't need anything from us. You're fine. (laughs) So that can be pretty easy to check off. And sometimes there might be, again, further restrictions. And so what you ask is, well, what have you seen people do? Or what can I do to kind of get around that? Like, what other options do I have? And see if they have advice or resources or can guide you to the next place to figure it out. And that brings up another good point. Remember how I used to go to farmer's markets and ask people what they were doing? Do that. Talk to other people who are in your industry. Make friends with them. Network with them. And ask them for help figuring it out. Like, kind of start to cultivate that community And you guys can help each other figure out all of this legal stuff in your specific area. And hopefully people will be generous and help you with that information. 
Okay, the third thing that you want to figure out is taxes legally with your business. And this is one of those things that just makes us cringe. Nobody likes paying taxes. But again, we do like to make sure our bases are covered. And it stinks when tax time comes around and you haven't planned for it, haven't thought about it, and it all of a sudden bites you in the butt. So let's talk about it just a little bit. This is part of the reason why business licensing and registration is required so that the state and the city can make sure that you're paying the adequate taxes um, as the business that you are and as the income that you're bringing in. So what taxes are paid by a small self-employed business? Well, you pay your sales tax depending, again, on your state. Isn't that so fun how every state is so stinking different? Some states require sales tax and others don't. I know for a fact that North Dakota does not require sales tax. Let's all move to North Dakota. Um, So if you're selling, then you should be paying the appropriate sales tax. How do you figure out what that is? Well, most states will have a website and you can also call and ask, say, this is what I do and make sure they understand really thoroughly. Like I bake, but it's not like it's not like restaurant food. People pick it up and take it to go, but I don't give them like a plate and a fork. It's not a sit down kind of place. And usually going through those things with whoever is in charge of that department, the the tax department of your state, they'll be able to tell you, okay, this is how much tax you should be paying. And I actually figured out this past year that I've been paying too much in sales tax. I was paying 7.25% on every sale when from what I sell, it's actually just 3%. And it's hard to go through and figure that all out. We do the best we can <laughs> and and wish that they would make it a little more clear. So if you ever have questions about how much sales tax you should be charging on each of your sales, and that's something that, that the, the customer pays, you know, you calculate your price and then whatever the percentage is of sales tax you need to pay, it's like, okay, I'm charging $100 for this order and my sales tax is 3%, so I'm just gonna tack on $3 for my sales tax. And your customer pays that, and you tuck that away so that you can pay it. Now, sometimes, depending on how much you make, you either pay that annually or you pay it quarterly. I'm paying it quarterly currently because I made too much last year, and so they're like, okay, we want your money faster. (laughs) But that's how I set aside my sales tax, and I plan for it. The other tax that you have to pay as a business is your income tax. However much you made, so it's like your revenue, that's your total sales, every penny that came into your pocket, minus all the expenses that you had, and then what's left over is considered your income, and you have to pay tax on that. Now, if you didn't see it on Instagram at the Out of Home Baker, it was just a few months ago in March, March 2021, that's what you were in. Me and my friend Erica, who's also a baker and an accountant, we did a live session where we talked about taxes and we talked about finances and had just this really cool conversation. She was brilliant and she shared so many amazing things about how to plan for your taxes and how to figure that out. You can go back and watch that on Instagram. But what she shared is that from an accounting perspective, from all the knowledge she's had, The best thing to do with your income tax is to set aside 40%, 30 to 40% of what your income is, setting that aside for income tax. That sounds like a lot, and it kind of is. And so what you do is you make sure you're preparing and planning for that, setting stuff aside. You are smart with your numbers, making sure that it balances out so that you're still keeping money in your pocket, and you track your expenses. And you want to be smart about how you 
roll your business expenses into normal life. Like every trip to the grocery store can be a business expense if you buy a box of butter. And like if you go to visit a friend, stop at the grocery store on the way home and that becomes a business expense. Lots of things can kind of be rolled into your business. And so you offset that income with the expenses that you have and kind of just make normal daily living part of your business. Does this sound like gray area? Well, that's kind of what law is. It's it's open for interpretation. And so when I met with my tax professional last year, she helped me find a lot of places like my cell phone, how it counted for business. And we figured out the percentage that was going towards business. And we're able to write off some of that. And our car and even our, our house, our rent payment, our utilities, all of those kind of got wrapped into business expenses because part of it was being used for business. So when it comes to taxes, a great thing to do is to sit down with a tax professional, someone who can help you plan and someone who can help you figure it out when tax time comes. But make sure you're at least like get it in your brain, be setting some stuff aside so that you can pay anything that you owe and be smart about planning so that you don't have to owe as much. Whew, this has been a lot. It's a lot to figure out. And I, again, I want to reinforce like do not get overwhelmed by this. Feel good and feel optimistic because now you know it is so much better to know about this stuff than to worry because once you know you can take the small steps to figuring out what you need to do instead of just agonizing over it (laughs) knowing is always better than not knowing I hope this has been an insightful episode for you if you have questions I'm always happy to answer come and connect with me on Instagram at the out of home baker I'm always there in the messages. Sometimes it can take me a day or two to get back to you, but I see every message and I respond to it. And I love to help other people figure this stuff out because it was so hard for me and I want to make it as easy as possible for you. To sum it all up, here are the takeaways from today's episode. Number one, the three things that you need to think about are cottage food license, business license at the state and city level, and then your taxes. Number two, don't be discouraged if it feels overwhelming or feels like you can't figure it out. Other people are figuring it out and you can too. Number three, if you run into roadblocks or barriers, be creative and find a way to get around them. Ask questions and see if there's ways that other people have been able to do it. Number four, don't be afraid to ask for help. Call the department in charge, call an attorney, seek for professional guidance when you get a little bit stuck on these things. If you've been enjoying listening to Business is Sweet and if it's helped you in any way these first few episodes, I want to ask you to leave a review because what this does is it helps this podcast get found and it is going to help other bakers connect with this resource that they need. There are so many other people like you trying to figure it out, pay it forward and help them find this resource so that they can figure things out and have success just like you. Thanks for listening today, my friend. Go bake it happen.